During the summer, I was approached to devise a social media strategy for a major charity event focused on tackling the issue of global homelessness. The issue had been on my mind for a few weeks after a trip into London where I was unable to give a homeless person just a couple of pounds because, as many people don't now, I wasn't carrying any cash. The incident made me look into how a cashless society might affect those who rely on cash and the generosity of others, so it was already front of mind when I was approached. But what I heard astounded me. There are over 100 million homeless and displaced people in the world today. In the UK, homelessness is rising at a rate of about 4% a year, despite government pledges to tackle the crisis. The world's big sleepout aims to change this. On December the 7th, 50,000 people will sleep outside in 50 cities around the world, from London to New York to Brisbane to New Delhi, to raise $50 million for homeless charities. Think Live Aid, but for sleepouts. It's the brainchild of Josh Littlejohn, MBE, and on today's show, I talk to Josh about the homelessness crisis, the campaign and the role that social media plays in its potential success. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. You're the 49th person I've had on this show so far and the first who's a member of the Order of the British Empire. So congratulations on that. How did that all come about? Um, well, you just kind of get, you get a letter through the post. Right. I actually very rarely open my mail. So <laughs> okay. I, I actually didn't even open the letter. So they, they ended up phoning me up saying, you know, do you want to accept this thing or not? And I right. hadn't even heard, heard about it. So I kind of asked my family and some friends and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, in Scotland, particularly, that, um, you know, the royal family and it's quite establishment. And we obviously work with homeless people who are kind of disenfranchised from the system. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely have to consider it, but obviously, you know, as soon as you speak to your mum, <laughs> talking about, of course, you accept it. Um, <laughs> and so, did you go down to London? Did you? I'm assuming you have to go and accept it physically. Is that right? Um, well, yeah, the Queen was in uh, Holyrood Palace in Edinburgh, so I got it from the Queen in Edinburgh. Okay, excellent. Okay, so I mean, the background to that is so. Yes, you're an MBE now, but that all comes about from your work with homeless people, specifically in Scotland. But what we're going to talk about today is a, is a campaign called The World's Big Sleepout, which I am very fortunate enough to be involved in uh, and, and working with you for. But So did you want to take us through the background of how this all came about in the first place? Yeah, um, but se- just over seven years ago, I, I co-founded um, with my colleague Alice a, a little cafe, kind of sandwich shop in the centre of Edinburgh. And we called it Social Bite. And it, we, we wanted to do it as a bit of a social enterprise. So it had a kind of social aspiration to it. Originally, the idea didn't really have anything to do with the homelessness issue. Um, but we ended up meeting this young man who was 19 years old. He was homeless and he was selling the Big Issue magazine on the street corner just outside our cafe. So he came in one day, sort of plucked up the courage and asked us if he could have a job. Okay. Um, so we- we thought, why not? It seemed a nice thing to do. And he basically worked very hard. We saw the employment was very transformative for him. 
So we decided to give him a job um, in the kitchen uh, uh, and we promoted him to full time. And then when another job opened up, we thought we'd try it again. Um, so we uh, asked him if he knew anybody else that was homeless and he suggested his brother, Joe, who was also selling the big issue. Okay. Um, so we said, okay, so we gave Joe a job. Joe also worked hard and another job opened up and we said, do you know anybody else, guys? And they said, well, there's this guy, John, um, sells the big issue, might be quite good. So we said, all right, so we gave John a job. And then at this point, they realized we were kind of soft touches a bit and they could kind of maybe get jobs for some of their other friends. Right. And they said, you know, maybe you should have a think about this other guy, Colin. So we said, all right. So um, almost by accident, in some ways, we'd start to offer jobs to people that were homeless in this little, little cafe. And um, we started to get more engaged in the issue and we... I started to ask them their stories, how they became homeless, and, th- and then we introduced this pay it forward concept where customers could buy food ahead for homeless people to come and get something for free later. Yep. And customers started to engage with that and buy extra food, and we started to invite homeless people in. And before we'd realized it almost, we were feeding 40 or 50 people every day. Okay. And um, so that basically became the origins of it all seven years ago, um, and we kind of went from there, and, and it's kind of grown, ar- grown arms and legs. And then the last couple of years, you've managed sleep out events in Scotland, and and that's now taken on a, a global um, appeal, basically. Because would you want to do you want to explain about how how the last couple of years have gone in 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 Scotland? Yeah. Um, so you know, as we got more engaged in this issue, and we we expanded the scale of our charity over the course of the years and expanded the scope of our work and we learned a lot more about the issue of homelessness and um, we decided to try and create this event in scotland called sleep in the park yep. where we want to try and bring people together from all walks of life on mass to really try and raise a very substantial sum of money um, uh, and really raise a sense of awareness and political urgency around the issue of homelessness so we created this event and we took on the city centre gardens in Edinburgh called Princess Street Gardens. And we started to invite people to come and sleep out on a cold Saturday night, just a couple of weeks before Christmas. Yep. So what ended up happening was in this night in December 2017, 8,000 people came from all over Scotland um, and slept out and what turned out as luck would have it to be the coldest night of the whole year. Yeah. Um, so we gave each person an online fundraising page and encouraged them to raise money, um, and they collectively raised in the region of four million pounds, yep. um, which an incredible kind of amount of money to raise um, from, and you know, an event in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. So we um, expanded the event last year, and it took place in four Scottish cities: in Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dundee, and Aberdeen. And we had about ten thousand people sleep out, and we we managed to raise a similar sum of money again. And, that money can have been invested in a whole range of um, really ambitious programs. Um, one of them is it was a really tangible program called the Social Bite Village, um, where we took on some vacant land owned by Edinburgh Council, and we built a small village. Um, so we built eleven two-bedroom prefabricated houses, um, and a big central community hub, and the whole place got landscaped and developed. Um, so that's now it exists. It's been running for over a year, and there's around twenty people that live there any, at any one time. Okay. And then the other project was this big nationwide program, which is about getting people that sleep on the streets and really entrenched rough sleepers into their own mainstream uh, flats, 
and investing the money in a wraparound support for people. Um, so we ended up, you know, creating some really big programs. Between them, we aim to bring around at least a thousand people off the streets, over you know, over the duration of those yep. projects. Which is an amazing achievement in itself, really. I mean, I was going to ask you what can you measure the actual impact of that on on the homeless community, and it might, I guess it must be difficult to to actually measure that because you've got people that you are helping, but other people are going to be becoming homeless during that same time frame does that make sense uh, yeah of course it does and you know it's um you need to kind of try and turn the tap off of the issue if you're, yeah if you want to solve it but you know i think you know from our perspective we we have grand aspirations and you know we we campaigned through the sleep out events and um, to end homelessness in scotland that was the premise of it that scotland's just yeah. a small enough interconnected enough compassion enough country where if we collectively focus on this issue then there's absolutely no reason we can create a country and um, where nobody should have to be homeless and the public really really bought into that and and the scottish government started to make commitments you know to that that end so that was the objective but ultimately you know there's only so much as effectively a small chain of sandwich shops that we can do do you know what i mean we yeah. we don't have it within our power to turn the taps off homelessness you know we all we can really do is create the maximum influence we can um, and try and use that influence and in some of the things that we developed to, to influence policy and political direction on the issue based on what we believe you know will, will drive the homelessness numbers down so and that, that's kind of where you've got to now isn't it because this year the whole sleep out idea has taken on a new lease of life and so this year we're looking at 50 plus cities around the world hoping to raise 50 million dollars is part of that so part of that is obviously fundraising and part of it is effectively putting political pressure on the people who can really have that impact on like you say turning the tap off right yeah of course that's the kind of two objectives of this thing so that this year we decided to try and take the concept that's been very successful in scotland and on a one-off basis, um, stage a big international campaign focused on the idea of, of homelessness globally. Um, so, you know, this is an issue that affects pretty much every city in the world, um, you know, to some degree or another. And I think in many of the big cities in which we live, it's an issue that we can all see getting worse. Um, so yeah. I think there's a palpable sense of frustration and anger and compassion from the public um as we step over people that are homeless on their way to work no matter what city yeah. you live in um, and, and couple that with the refugee crisis which is that it's one of its worst points in history you know i think there, there's a real massive issue around global homelessness so we wanted to try and take the concept and stages to international campaign so we've been a series of miracles that's helped us really to get to where we are at this point just less than seven weeks out from the event mm -hmm. um, and we've managed to get Times Square in New York to be more or less closed down um, on Saturday the 7th of December um, for, for this big sleep out event. We've got Trafalgar Square in London, we've got as you say 50 cities all over the world um, and in every corner of the world where these sleep out events are going to be staged and yeah, that the objective is to try and raise a really substantial amount of money to um, invest in lots of organisations doing amazing work on the issue, but also to try and really 
you know, shine the media spotlight on it and in turn shine, yeah. shine the political spotlight on it. Um, so I would hope, but, you know, closing down Times Square, you can't make a noise doing that, then I don't think you can doing anything. So um, fingers crossed. No, absolutely. And like you said, that the issue is getting worse and worse. And I think everyone, probably everyone listening to this will, will understand that that is the case, whether it's their own city. I mean, I live in a, in a little village in, in the Cotswolds, for example. But, you know, even in my local town, which is a tiny little town, really, you you see the issue there and and when i go into london to meet clients and stuff it it does seem to be worse every single year is that what you're seeing as well yeah and i think that's what the statistics are are backing up i think it's um certainly getting worse in in the uk um and you know in many major cities throughout the world it's getting worse yep. you know i think there's different factors to that but obviously you know it comes down in many ways to to the, pol- to the politics of it, it comes down to some major things around house building, around kind of how we respond to people that sleep on the streets and, uh, and how we support them out of that situation. And I think, you know, some of the encouraging things are that we, we have seen examples in recent history and examples in other parts of the world where the problem has been successfully tackled. You know, the chair of our campaign, Dame Louise Casey, she was uh, an advisor to Tony Blair and I think she started advising Tony Blair as his kind of homelessness czar in 1998 and, and over the, the subsequent five years or so they brought the numbers of people sleeping on the streets in the UK down by um, over two-thirds and um, mm-hmm. so that was a really successful policy implementation you know that, that worked and the numbers stayed relatively low for about a decade um, and and it's only over the last decade they've got so much worse. Um, there's other examples that are often cited, like a country like Finland, um, which is a similar-sized country to somewhere like Scotland, um, and they had a, a, a fairly uh, bad homelessness problem. Um, and over the course of the last decade, they have implemented a series of strategic policies that have kind of brought the homelessness numbers down in Finland to effectively zero. Um, there's almost a no-homeless problem there anymore. So. Okay. There, okay. There is examples out there um, of policy that has six, you know, successfully um, tackled this issue. So we kind of know it can be tackled, and um, it's just a question of having the political will um, to do it. Yeah. Okay. So the campaign itself, like I said, is is focused on raising raising as much as fifty million dollars, um, and that will be raised all around the world, um, notably America and the UK, but in, in lots of other countries as well. What's the intention of how that money will be spent? How will it get used? Well, the idea is that basically half the money raised goes back local and to different charities in the cities where the events take place. Yep. And the other half goes global. And so we've got various partners on that side, including UNICEF, the Malala Yousafzai Foundation, um, an organisation called the Institute for Global Homelessness. So these are all looking at different facets of you know, global homelessness, largely focused on refugees and children that have been displaced all over the world. So, you know, half of it has kind of this international vision, but half of it will be very, very local. So in London, for example, there's five local organisations that include the big issue, include St Martin's in the Field, who do the outreach for rough sleepers in the Trafalgar Square area where the event's taking place. Um, and so on and so forth. So um, it, it, half of it will be very, very local and hopefully give a big boost to these organisations. 
and half of it and more global in its vision. Yeah, lovely. Okay, so let's talk about a bit about the 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 event itself. You know what's happening. So. As, as we've already said, 50 odd cities around the world, 50,000 people is, is the, the goal to get actually sleeping out. Why did you decide to do this in the middle of December? I mean, is that an intentional decision? Because it would have been far easier to do it in, I don't know, June. And let's face it, you probably get more people involved because they wouldn't be put off by December. I mean, what, what was the thinking behind that? Well, I mean, I think that with that, it's the exact same Saturday of the year we've done it in Scotland for the last two years. So the reason we always kind of choose that Saturday is because I think it's quite important that it's a bit of a challenge for people. I think if it was in summer, you know, then there's there's a fine line between it being a bit of a music festival kind of vibe, you know, an actual something where people are embracing this kind of challenge of walking in the footsteps of people that they would normally kind of walk past um, and doing it in conditions that will really kind of give them a new sense of perspective. So I think, you know, certainly in my experience of doing it so far, people really kind of embrace that challenge. Yeah. Um, and they definitely do leave with a whole different sense of perspective on the issue. But also there's a couple of other reasons. One is it's a couple of weeks before Christmas. So I think people tend to, particularly around the homelessness issue, be much more altruistic around the time of Christmas because I think we're all very conscious of our own sense of abundance and our own sense of um, being with our families and so on at Christmas. Um, yeah. So we, you know, hopefully we'll be able to raise more money at that time of year. Yeah. Okay. And and what's happening is, well, you've got some amazing supporters of this campaign. I mean, just as as we're talking today, so we're launching a a new video, which has uh, the likes of Will Smith and Dame Helen Mirren and Chris Martin from Coldplay all lending their support to this campaign. It's obviously an issue that touches a lot of people and a lot of very influential people as well. How have you found the response been from the the, the wider community when, when you've talked to people about this? So, yeah, I've kind of spent the last 10 months going out and about and meeting people about this and trying to get people to support it and engage with it. And certainly, as I say, there's a real palpable you know, sense that this issue is getting worse in people's minds and much more visible on our streets i think that um yeah we've had an incredible response with you know we engage with a lot of businesses and companies to get their employees engaged and participating and so on and so forth so i think um people are really kind of grasping this with both hands and and getting involved in it so yeah i think we we just seem to have touched a bit of a nerve with the issue Um, and i think people you know hopefully respond to the sense of ambition with the event where as I say, it's a one-off, so it's only going to happen once. So, you know, to be able to sleep out in Times Square where Helen is going to tell you a bedtime story and you're going to mm-hmm. you know that people are also going to be sleeping out at the same time in New Delhi in India or Times Square in New York or Wellington in New Zealand or, you know, Hong Kong. It's a real sense of global unity and global compassion and uniting around an issue that affects us all and uniting to support people that are probably the most vulnerable in the societies that we live in and, and, and internationally. And what's the right, you mentioned businesses there. What's the role of organisations of corporates in this campaign, in this project? I mean, how important is it that, 
people listening to this working for maybe big organizations get involved not just from a personal perspective which is also great obviously but trying to get businesses behind this i mean how important is that to you i mean it's kind of, it's pretty much critical really to the success of the event um you know whether it's from a sponsorship perspective or corporate contributions but probably more importantly if just getting employee participation and getting teams of people engaged to participate in these events you know is, is largely where most of the people come from you know so anyone listening that does work with colleagues you know in any size organization you know definitely encourage you to see how the company could support and see how the employees could come together and take part in this and um, as a team um, and yeah you know we're really really uh, reliant on the business community rallying behind this and um, so far you know they definitely have yeah absolutely so let's talk a bit about the role of digital and social media in this because obviously you've involved me in this project to help you out with that side of things but what role does digital broadly play on in this is it the easiest way to spread the word about what is happening and get people involved is that your thinking behind that yeah, I think, well, I guess there's two things. One is, inter- you know, our first challenge is getting spreading the word and getting people participating and in their sleeping bags on December the 7th. Yep. So I, I definitely think in this day and age, you know, social media is the primary driver to get people to do that. And secondly, once people do sign up and they're fundraising and they have their online fundraising page, then largely that's going to be shared through social media to their friends and their network for them to raise money so i think on both mm-hmm. sides of the coin with this in terms of people actually signing up to participate and people fundraising once they are signed up then social media is fundamental to, to the success really and, and i mean that whole area of social media supporting uh charity and, and non-profit initiatives i think is very different to the corporate side because we I, I speak to a lot of people on this podcast who use social media from a, a corporate communications perspective and it's becoming very difficult in certain areas now to use social media because people are less receptive to corporate messages effectively through their social channels they just don't want to see it they don't want to be sold to and a lot of people or a lot of companies are struggling to get their heads around that this change from um, a non-profit uh, a charity perspective that certainly from my experience of working on this over the last couple of months is not the case people are still very up for the idea of sharing news about charities about initiatives like this and spreading the word through their social channels um is that something you've seen with with social bite as well i mean before this project like you say you've been working with that for several years has that played much of a role in the success of social bite yeah again pretty pretty fundamental one um i'll give you an example which was a bit of a, a total game changer for us we um five years ago decided to open up the shops sandwich shops on christmas day and run a bit of a service for homeless people and we wanted to try and at least cover our costs for running this christmas day service so i phoned a guy i knew who ran a website called it is on.com which is a daily deals website um whereby people can buy typically a nice hotel break or a you know dinner for two or that kind of thing okay so I asked Ollie if he would run a deal on his website where uh, someone could buy a homeless person a Christmas dinner for £5. Um, so he said, absolutely. He 
he said, how many would you like to sell um, to cover, cover your costs? And I said, well, if we could sell maybe 800 deals at £5, then that would cover a cost for running it. And he said, well, what happens if you sell more? I said, well, we could just put the money into the kitty. I said, the pay it forward jars in the shops quite often run dry, so we have to turn people away. So, you know, we could kind of put money in and that would help us feed people throughout the year. Um, so anyway, launched this deal a couple of weeks before Christmas and obviously it was promoted through social media and Facebook and all the rest of it. And it ended up selling the 800 dinners in about 10 minutes. Right. Um, and it ran for two weeks and it sold 35,000 um, Christmas dinners. Wow. And, you know, that would just capture the sense of a zeitgeist almost, you know, my first experience of anything really just going viral. And we've ran that promotion every year. And the most recent year, it sold 113,000 deals. Wow. Um, which included buying gifts for kids at Christmas. Yeah. Feeding people, you know, in our cafes, but also in Newcastle, Manchester. You know, and it really helped to fund a lot of our work throughout the year, you know, our, our wider work. So, um, you know, it's been an incredible campaign that, that's become an annual campaign. And it's been, you know, basically driven through online and, and social media mm-hmm. entirely, mm-hmm. almost. So, yeah, I, I've certainly found that it's a great platform for people to, to share something that they're passionate about. And I think, as I say, particularly at Christmas, you know, it's something that captures people's imaginations and, and social media's you know, without social media, then that would have never happened in the past. Yeah. So. yeah. so having worked on the social channels for a couple of months, there, there is a downside to it as well, because you do see comments from people who say that um, these sort of things never work or the money's not going to get to the people on the streets or even people who question like your motives. I don't know you, but they question the motives of the people who put these things on and run them. Now, we, we've talked about this, and the way we're dealing with it is largely ignoring them and, and hiding particularly nasty stuff. Does it bother you or affect you that there is this downside to social? Or do you think that the plus sides, which you've talked about, totally you know, uh, uh, over overwhelm that? Uh, obviously, it does affect... I, like, thankfully, you're dealing with it. I don't actually read it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, if I was to sit and read it all... You know, again, it's, I think sometimes you have to just always try and have a sense of perspective because typically, you know, things, the comments on things are typically overwhelmingly positive. But yes. this nature of kind of trolling, you know, which takes a bit of getting used to it. And it happens with anything, you know, what, like when I got given that the MBE, I got absolutely slated on Twitter for it. <laughs> Um, so you know it's a weird thing because you get notified when someone's slagging you off so not i guess normally in life if someone says oh that josh you know whatever slags me off i'll never hear about it so that never but you get your phone vibrates you know to let you know when it's happening (laughs) on the social media platform so but you know you compare it to people you meet in your actual life and people oh wow congratulations well done yeah yeah so I think it's just a, I think if you get too sucked into a bubble of social media personally, it's very easy for things to get very skewed towards a negative way. And I can really understand why people it would affect their mental health. And you know, I don't have a personal Twitter, I don't have a personal Instagram, I don't really have a personal social media presence really. Yeah, I think that certainly from the perspective of promoting the cause of what we're doing, then social media is you know really important. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's just finish off then by 
I mean, I'd like to you to tell people listening to this, like I said, a lot of them work for organizations and companies who might get involved. What's your message to anyone listening right now? The main thing is really just go on to bigsleepout.com and sign up to Sleep Out if you want to be involved in this one-off global moment of unity and compassion around this issue then yeah you can do it in a major high profile event like Trafalgar Square or Times Square or wherever but you can also host your own event in your back garden with your family and just get involved in it so yeah I'd really just encourage everyone to get involved in what we're doing and, and sign up and sleep out. Lovely well listen thank you very much for your time Josh I know you're supremely busy just at the moment so I appreciate that No problem. and yeah here's to the success of that I, I really hope it works thank you very much for your time. Okay thanks so much. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered, or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter, where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.